Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine. It's a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. It's really like uh, burning, you know, running out the clock on my intro there. As if you're being paid by the second. It's like, um, you know, sometimes when... Uh, when you watch sports and they say like that's ha- that's the level that you need to be playing at if you want to succeed in the National Football League, you know, <laughs> like uh, we know what league you're talking about. You say NFL. <laughs> yeah, Ben, I've got a bit of personal news to share. Wow, wonder if you'd be up for talking that over with me. Is it safe for work? You're one of my you're one of my closest friends. I feel like I run I run serious stuff by you all the time. I love that you've talked yourself into that. You're, you're one of the great counselors in my life. Ah, oh, buddy. Thing happened to me recently that's that's pretty big, and that is uh, my my day job contract. The thing that I do outside of podcast it came to an end. Wow. My show has not been renewed for another season. <laughs> And so now I have I am podcast only as a as a profession at this point. Of course, I'm still like a freelancer, and I'm still going right. to solicit and take video jobs. But that was my backstop for a long, long time, and now it's over. I'm not Damn, sure how dude. to feel about it. Yeah, I mean, are you are you finding yourself naturally feeling a type of way about it, or are you are, are you just like are you are you in the market for a a feeling a reaction well i'm in i'm in the market for a mid-sized feeling nothing too flashy <laughs> something with some good mileage well uh, come over here and kick the tires on this model <laughs> i think as soon as it happened like as soon as i was told i was as i am about most things like utterly stoic and uh, not yeah. feeling much of anything at all. But what I love about my relationship with you... You just have a you, little dusting of sociopathy, you know? Not <laughs> not a full-blown case, but, <laughs> but there are a lot of po- things that happen in your life that would make other people have uh, emotional reactions, and you're, uh, you're not given to it. It's not healthy. I know that. What no, I like I, about my close relationship with you, Ben, is that I get... Many of the benefits of therapy, secondhand, <laughs> secondhand therapy, really, because you're using terminology that I'm I'm assuming is is of a of a therapist's vernacular, and uh, and I get to filter that through you onto me. I'm glad that I'm getting more bang for my buck than than just my own <laughs> mental health because uh-huh. uh, this shit is expensive. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have a very high deductible on my uh, on my health insurance, and uh, I'm paying full price out of pocket. <laughs> I feel fine about not having my contract renewed. I think I will miss the work because that work was great and fun and interesting. And I worked with great people there. But like, I will not miss the specific manager who broke the news to me, who was like the worst. I'm glad to not have that guy in my life anymore. (laughs) Like, I'm going to be okay. And I'm going to be able to do that work for other entities down the road as well so it's like that's not the end of my right my fun uh corporate video 
lifestyle that I've come to know and love. I have had a couple of contracts and on things that were fun mm-hmm. uh, in the past, and I have always felt like they kind of stopped being as fun before the contract ended. Is that something that you experienced? Yeah. Or is it, I mean, you know, each each job is its own new adventure. I started to get the feeling that big business had made a big business decision to go instead of to individual contractors to like vendor agencies. And this is Mm -hmm. something that I've seen for the past couple of years. So like, that's the reason that my phone rang less and less from this, this one client. Like I, I got that. And this to me seemed like a fairly predictable outcome to, a situation that could never be permanent. Like mm-hmm. what I got on the other end of the phone was a businessman making a business decision and like <laughs> taking no responsibility for that. Right. Which is like eye rolly and fine. But it, right. to do this is to admit a mistake to begin with. And that's what people in management positions often aren't able to or are unwilling to confront is like the decision you make right now is actually the product of a worse decision you made a year and a half ago. So sure. I'm blaming someone else is what I'm doing. <laughs> well, I don't, I, I, I mean, it sounds like this is happening to more than just you. And that's, that means it's not a reflection of the quality of your work. It's a reflection of a, you know, a major you know, like they they turned the Titanic and didn't hit your iceberg or stopped hitting your iceberg. Yeah, I mean, mine was the... That's a terrible metaphor. <laughs> there were hundreds of, of people let go over the course of the last few years, and mine just happens to be the latest name yeah. added to that list. So I, well, I know I was fortunate to have hung around as long as I did. I think... What it signifies, though, is like a pretty significant change in my life in that I really had a safety valve professionally that I could depend on. Right. And uh, and now it feels like I am without that in a in a pretty surprising and exciting way. So I'm excited about it. I think I see nothing but good things for the future of our show and for us and our potential other shows. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's something that I'm a little preoccupied with, to be honest. I, uh, yeah, man, I I totally know that feel. But I also think that the the thing that is amazing is that this podcast, you know, like the the people that support this podcast have actually built a new safety valve for you, right? And we're able to spend a lot of time thinking and focusing on this, and that is a totally unexpected result of, of starting it. Yeah. And, I got to uh, tell you, man, if this happened last year, I, I think the freak out would be fairly pronounced. Like yeah. a year ago, I don't think we're in this position. And as we keep growing the show and getting more support, I, I feel safer and safer in the knowledge that like what we are doing here is a professional bit of business. It is. Yeah. And we can like take it that seriously and, spend that much time focusing on it and it keeps it keeps growing yeah I, uh it's it's fucking crazy how it's happened 
feel uh, feel very lucky to have uh, have gotten to to meet you and start a project with you because it's a sincere joy every time we sit down and do this. Yeah, you and me both, man. It's uh, I feel very fortunate to be doing work that I love and that improves the lives of so many people. For uh, and, which is crazy for how stupid it is because because this, sh- <laughs> yeah. this show fucking sucks and uh, and it is terrifically stupid. It's very stupid. I don't know if it sucks. I mean, I'm, there's some things about it that I'm kind of proud of. It's definitely stupid, though. I would flag what I said as inappropriate, as I as I would encourage anyone to do if they run across a a bad review of our show. Yeah, flag is inappropriate. Well, Adam, there is so much schmaltz here in my office that I'm getting concerned that I may drown in it. Do we want to pivot into talking about the show? Are you surrounded by bowls of chicken and matzo soup? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, let's do. Let's let's wade into that schmaltz with Deep Space Nine, Season 3, Episode 8, Meridian. Do you realize how incredible this is? <laughs> no, of course you don't. Ben... It almost goes by undetected, but it is yet another Jonathan Frakes episode. Uh-huh. They're sneaking by those credits. It's Yeah, they really uh, flash them fast. Do you feel like we're taking Jonathan Frakes' direction for granted with an episode like this? Mm, well, I have some Frakesian comparisons to draw Okay. as we talk about it, so I don't I'm, uh, I'll uh, withhold my verdict until we've talked it through. Stick a pin in it. This episode starts with a scenario that's very familiar to me, which is the non-date date. <laughs> Odo and Kira are having a replimat hang. Too hot. A little. This is something that I did a number of times with my wife when she was my roommate and not my girlfriend. <laughs> you know, we would like, hey, uh, we're, it's a Tuesday. Let's go out and have dinner together and then go have a few drinks at a bar and walk each other home chastely because <laughs> we're really good friends. How long would you say that one of you liked the other before the other one shared that feeling? I think uh, we both liked each other the second we met. And uh, that was when the awful roommate that was moving out gave my uh, now wife, then stranger, a a tour of the room that she would be renting in my four unit apartment. And yeah, like we, so, so my, my wife disputes this. She doesn't think that I liked her the, the second I met her, which to me just means that she doesn't understand how, how boys work. <laughs> Cause I saw a, a, a pretty lady that was like smart and funny. You've and, taught her uh, how boys work since then, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now she knows what boys like. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, like, uh, I liked her quite a bit the, the second, uh, I met her and, um, and, uh, and, and she claims that she liked me the second she met me. So, but it was like, it was a couple, it was a very fraught couple of months because I had very strong feelings about not dating my roommates, uh, especially in an apartment that with that many other tenants, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to turn our relationship into somebody else's problem. So right. we did date in secret for about a month while living together, but then she moved out. I think that's that's a question that's worth returning to later on in this episode when we when we talk about 
uh, meet cutes and the strength of an immediate bond. Yeah, but uh, it was it was fun to see them them having this hang, Kira and Odo, and it very obviously washes over Odo that uh, that his interest in her is more than just friendship based, which was uh, really fun to to see. Yeah, and it really happens when she touches him. Yeah. Like, there's the reference that that he is her lover in front of this guy, Tehran, who, who walks up to them and is like, hey, Kira, what happened to you last night? I thought we really hit it off or whatever. <laughs> and Kira, like a seasoned pro, like pivots into, oh, you haven't met my boyfriend who is right here at this table with me. Like, it's... It's very bracing how quickly she pivots into this story. And it's yeah. a fun bit of business that catches Odo off guard, like you say. Yeah, I love I love like the guy like trying to interrogate that and goes like, what do you do for a living? He's like, head of security on the station. <laughs> I could be your toilet. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's introduced as, as a dick, like right from jump, right? And the way that they... The way that they underpin his character is by making him a rich. He's a rich dick. I mean, it's ironic that we're flying coach to the Middle East because I definitely feel like a martyr. Tehran's got loaf that looks like a flesh-colored basketball, and he's wearing carpet remnants from every piece in the store, I think. He is <laughs> he is resplendent with colors and textures. Yeah. He's sort of the kind of rich that doesn't care what he looks like, which is a certain y- kind of rich. Totally. Yeah, this is a, a real Star Trek that guy. It's Jeffrey Combs, and I think yeah. he's he's in a lot of Deep Space Nine. He comes back and plays like a whole bunch of different loafy aliens. And then uh, he had a, a big recurring character in Star Trek Enterprise as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, fun you know, to see him in this loaf. You know, Jeffrey Combs was supposed to be cast as William Riker for a time. And then he, really? he was replaced by John Frakes, the director of this episode. So... No love lost between those two. Yeah. What goes around comes around as a guest star appearance, I guess. <laughs> I think this is his debut though. On, it is. Uh, on the program. Yeah, and he does so great. I mean he's got a he's got a list of Star Trek credits a mile long. Or a, a kilometer part. long, I should say, because that's <laughs> how Star they, Trek would put it. They use the metric system in uh-huh. Star Trek a lot. <laughs> I admired Odo's ability to yes-and this situation. You're a very lucky man. I'm a lucky woman. Yes, we're both very lucky. Sometimes you're with a friend and you try a gambit like this and they're like, huh, what? What are you talking about? We're not dating. Odo is someone who would leave a party when Kira gave Odo the signal. Like, yeah, he gets yeah. it. He's he hit. knows the signal. He, He's he knows it. how uncomfortable she is. <laughs> it's great. The other it would have thing been funny is... if they kept cutting from Tehran to Kira to Odo and back, and Odo just keeps on getting more and more jacked, like under his <laughs> uniform. <laughs> like they cut to him and he's got a mustache. He goes from 90-pound weakling to beach workout guy <laughs> right. over the course of the scene. Your move, creep. They don't do a lot of play like that with him. That'd be fun. Yeah. The other part of the cold open is a trip to the Gamma Quadrant on the Defiant. The commander has talked Starfleet into letting him keep the Gamma Quadrant exploration party going, despite the Dominion threat. What's your understanding of the cloak situation at this point? I think it's like in there, but it's like um, it's like professional 
audio software in the 90s where you had to have a special dongle plugged into the computer or it wouldn't work. Mm. They don't have the dongle, and that's uh, something that the Romulans only provide in specific contexts. Yeah, it's weird. Like, not only are, are they back in the in the G-Quad, but they're just flying around with their asses out. Yeah. And they're, it's like a real TNG-style show open where it's just like, we're picking up some gravimetric distortions. Let's go check them out. Yay! Right. <laughs> it's Starfleet being Starfleet. It's like, it's all Starfleet on this thing. And, uh, and this is a total Enterprise-D-style mission. This is going to sound uh, pejorative, but it's like it's a paint-by-numbers before theme song Star Trek show open. You're on yeah. your way to a thing, and then another thing just comes up. Yeah, and it's fun. Yeah, yeah I like it too. Golden Cotton. Golden Cotton. Golden Cotton. So. so this planet decloaks, I guess, is what you could call the effect. I think that's what most people would understand it to be. It looks like a yeah. The special effect is very similar to the shimmery effect that they apply when a warbird comes out of cloak or whatever. They scan it for life forms, and there's thirty. Great big planet, thirty life forms, and they get a hail like bang, bang, bang. These three things happen, and up on the FaceTime is Selton Recall, and she's talking about some shit about her planet being extra dimensional. That's something that Starfleet would be delighted to learn more about. This is uh, this is right in our wheelhouse, and Selton Recall is like matching all of their excitement with enthusiasm. She invites them to first meal, which they're just about to sit down to, and explains that the the planet will be around plenty long for them to come down and uh, share some food and, and learn their story. What do you make of Cisco's very trusting attitude from Jump? Like, I think it's great. I think it's great to begin a first contact with this with optimistic feelings uh -huh. but they go from planet decloaks to beaming down for first meal in like less than three minutes and i think if i saw a planet decloak i would be afraid of that planet cloaking again the specter of that hung over this episode like a sort of damocles mm -hmm. and i was waiting for somebody to like grab somebody and then the the planet cloak again you know there is usually the bridge crew person that expresses that feeling like just to know uh like we don't know when that planet's gonna gonna buzz off again are we sure this is a good idea like that seems like a bashir thing to say right but uh but he does not say it and they beam down and they have a pretty nice hang like that that the threat of that never never comes to pass and um that's not what this episode is about. The story of this planet is fucking bonkers, though. Yeah, this, it certainly this is, is. This is a planet that exists between dimensions. Like, it goes from one dimension to the other. And in this corporeal existence, like, everyone's a solid, right? Like, And they yeah. look forward to this because in the other dimension, they have become pure energy, like LSD trip terminology style. They're like, yeah. for 60 years, we're just nothing but thoughts and lights it sounds and fucking boring as hell like you can't dick around on your phone or like play a video game or read a book or anything you're just, it's just thoughts how great can it be if what they look forward to is is the corporeal form all they want to do is eat fruit like it, they've been thinking about it for 60 years they want can't to wait to get back and eat some fruit they want to eat fruit and fuck ben but the problem is the time that they spend in corporeal universe is lessening every time and it's eventually going to get to the point where 
they're not in any space at all. Like this is a ratio that that is untenable. And it's the reason that they have only 30 people on the planet. Like there's no time for fucking. We always look forward to this existence and its many pleasures. You turn into a salad. Ben, I know you know what this is like. You turn into a salad, you eat a big dinner. You don't feel like fucking after that dinner. No, you feel like yeah. watching TV and going to bed. Yeah, you gotta do uh, what Dan Savage recommends is fuck first. Yeah, yeah, it's great advice. Here, let me help you with that. Despite that, uh, <laughs> this gentleman named Dural takes a real a real keen interest in Dax from the second she sits down. He uh, starts asking her pretty leading questions about how far down her spots go. And unlike most of the kind of forward men that Dax has encountered, this actually seems to go over pretty well with her. Yeah, in spite of him having the name of like a mid-brand cigarette, <laughs> she falls for him pretty hard. He kind of has coronemic vibes, I thought. Yeah. They cut back to O'Brien a couple of times during this <laughs> breakfast, and O'Brien is just watching this just like, what the fuck? Like, it's all, it's all silent, you know, just wordless takes of the chief. Just... <laughs> You know, rolling his eyes and kind of guffawing to himself. Like, I can't believe these this guy's fucking lines are working on her. He dominates this episode and he's only in it for five minutes. I yeah. love this scene. <laughs> it's so funny. Speaking of Dax's spots, Adam, I don't know if I've brought this up, but something bothers me about how they always seem to be kind of rubbing off at, at the neckline of her uniform. Yeah? Like the fabric on, on the, the little mock turtleneck where it interacts with those spots. The spots seem to be like rubbed a little a little paler oh. every every time I see them. And I'm like, is that really is that really a limitation of the makeup that they're putting on her where it doesn't last that long? That would be too bad. It seems like they should like when you're shooting something like this, the makeup people are always buzzing in in between takes and like freshening people up and putting powder on noses and stuff. Why can't they, uh, you know, have a little grease pencil onto the onto the spots? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm just confused by that. Yeah, I am too. I mean, she could go to a flared turtle. That would be great. She would look awesome in that. <laughs> She's the only one rocking flared turt. <laughs> That's a strong decision. Yeah. She's drinking a fifth, smoking big turtle, and wearing <laughs> big turt. Well, damn, another motherfucking slappy. <laughs> Yeah, you know she's going to be smoking that turtle. Ben, (laughs) Darrell is deploying a form of flirtation that maybe in 1994 seems cute, but today just seems pretty fucking gross. What did you make of of his, his ways of seduction? I was creeped out the second he started feeding her fruit. Like yeah. on a spoon, like a baby. Yeah. It's hard to put myself in a 1994 mindset because I was in fucking junior high and an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> no one knows anything at that age. But I wonder, how did this play? I guess it played fine, right? Like, it's, this is 1994. This is what you get. I wonder. Yeah. Their relationship. Do you remember Carmen from uh, that Crystalline Entity episode? Yeah. I provide the most memorable desserts. My favorite part of dinner. The way they interact reminded me so much of Riker and Carmen at the beginning of that episode. And Carmen was like just there to get killed by the Crystalline Entity so that we could have some stakes in that episode. But 
I thought it was very interesting that Frakes was in the directing chair for an episode that feels so strongly like that, where it's like it's so salacious so quickly, you know, when she she stands there looking at him and says, "I uh, I make the best dessert," and like bites her lower lip, like there's lower lip biting in this episode. It's pretty gross, and especially because like there is no shortcut to to falling in love on a TV show. Like, especially when you try to to force it like this. Like, they have nothing in common at all except for their mutual attraction, and that is the 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 surest way to make attraction seem implausible. Yeah, I think like like. Maybe he could have a backstory of one time putting something inside him. Like <laughs> that's that's a thing that they could share, but they don't have that. It's just feeding each other fruit. It's bullshit. Sometimes when I masturbate, I put something in my butt. Ankylosaur. <laughs> yeah, like like Doral gets interesting there. If that's the case, but as it is, it's it's schmoopies. that's not really first date information though. It's schmoopies all the way down, and I don't especially buy a it. breakfast date. Yeah. Yeah. It's another non-date breakfast date. Right? That's first meal. Yeah. They didn't even get to fourth meal, let alone fifth meal, right? What do you think the Taco Bell people have to say about this? Is fifth meal what the Taco Bell people are marketing, or is it fourth meal? I think they would prefer if you ate their product as often as possible. Yeah. I heard somebody saying uh, that like Taco Bell has a, a reputation for making people shit themselves because a lot of people that eat Taco Bell, the only other food they eat is from other fast food restaurants. And because there's actually dietary fiber in beans, which they don't encounter in their other food, it's like it's their system going, oh, finally, we can get rid of all this poop. Wow, that is a that is sad if true. Yeah, that's fucked up, right? How much dietary fiber does Arby's have? <laughs> I, I that, cannot imagine it has any, Adam. <laughs> well, that is not much of an explanation for what it does to me. Well, Adam, everything does that to you, though. <laughs> you can't use your butt as a as a baseline. My butt is a terrible barometer. Mr. Bucket, I have to revert back to my So we know what the problem is. The problem is diminished corporeal time, the inability to reproduce. But the question I had right away, Ben, is why don't they just beam these people off the planet to go fuck and then beam them back or something? Like, yeah. like leaving the planet seems to be an option. They seem to like having both. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah. They don't want to walk away from their non-corporeal hangs just because their corporeal hangs are getting shorter. Yeah. So back on DS9 in our in our B story, which for some reason is even creepier than the A story, <laughs> Tehran has got it hard for Kira and is so unwilling to to take her her no for an answer that he wants hollow Kira to be a thing. And so yeah. he goes to Quark for help in in creating a holographic Kira that would satisfy his every desires, and he's willing to pay for it. Tehran, <laughs> I understand the esteem that you hold Cork in, but as a competing businessman in a similar 
vertical, I would like to propose a different path to making a cure that you can have your way with, as it were. The Kevin Uxbridge family of products can supply <laughs> you, Tehran, with a startlingly lifelike version of Kira and a photon torpedo sized carry case for traveling. Now, I understand that it can be inconvenient that we have to play ice cream truck music in the minds of all telepaths <laughs> when, when your super lifelike Kira doll is out and about. But I assure you that the drawbacks of that are far fewer than fucking a, an amalgam of electrons and energy in a hollow suite. And Mr. Quark, I have a <laughs> message for you specifically. You do not want to die on this hill. <laughs> Trust me on this one. All competing businesses have not only failed in the face of the Kevin Uxbridge family of products, they have mysteriously disappeared along with their entire race of beings. And everyone's memory of that race. (laughs) (laughs) We can compete on price and reputation, or we can play dirty. Up to you, buddy. There's only one possible outcome when you play dirty with Kevin Uxbridge. And that is total extermination of your species. Honestly, I'd be sad to see you little fuckers go. You're some of my best customers. You break a pool cue and put it in a room with Kevin Uxbridge and anyone? You come back later and, like, the pool cue is gone, the other person is gone, like, half the world is gone? What the fuck, Kevin? (laughs) So Quark is going to become a smut peddler, and uh, he's being paid a pretty ludicrous amount by Tyrell from, as as we can assume, based on how he reacts to the bar of metal and the ring that uh, that Tehran uh, brandishes. It's another file in the collection of Quark is not a great person and yet somehow gets a pass on being charismatic. Right, because if you were like, if you found out that a friend of yours had been paid to like take surreptitious nude photos of a lady that he is nominally friends with and occasionally works with you'd be like oh my god what the hell is wrong with them it's kind of revenge porny yeah everything we know about quark up until now has been a character trying to get on kira's good side who has been a little bit infatuated with her this seems like a total left turn for him it's one of those things where quark is sometimes the kind of like light-hearted like grifter and sometimes he is like stone cold evil and in this episode they're like playing it for lighthearted grifter but it is stone cold evil what he's doing there's no other read on this and it you know it doesn't help that that tehran never wavers from creepster rich guy like he is the robert redford character in indecent proposal you have something that i just don't have (laughs) except he isn't even that charismatic the protection staff knew that this was super creepy and evil but somehow they tried to like not have quark get tarred with that brush can we fix the episode here's what i just thought of like i think you can make this work Mm -hmm. if Tehran is a kid 
and he has a crush on Kira, and he's like the son of a rich. If he's a non-sexual Francis Buxton and just like has a crush on Kira and wants to hang out with her and like chastely be with her in a hollow suite. Today's my birthday and my father said I can have anything I want. Good for you and your father. I think you can make this storyline play in a non-creepy I, way, but because Tehran isn't a... that. Yeah? Because I think that Kira would just be nice to a kid like that. Yeah, yeah. And also, non-sexual Francis Buxton is almost a... I'm putting that on my band name list. That's fucking great. (laughs) You get on stage and you're just chewing uh, trick gum the whole time. Experiment or fruit? Uh, Fruit, please. (laughs) Who's playing tonight? The Shitty Beatles, non-sexual Francis (laughs) Buxton. (laughs) I heard they don't fuck. You're right. Party on. Also, I feel like they're at this moment in time in the 24th century future in a Federation adjacent, if not Federation specific outpost, the Barclay Amendment to the Holosuite slash Holodeck business rules should be in effect here. Like, we should know what that rule is and we should know why it's being uh, prosecuted. Well, maybe, yeah, I I would have liked a line of dialogue to explain, you know, where we are, W slash R slash T, that phenomenon. Because it seemed seemed weird also that it was like a ludicrously costly thing to do in Deep Space Nine when if you wanted to, say, make a Leah Brahms fuck toy in TNG, you could accidentally do it. It's so correctable in a line of dialogue, Ben. Like, yeah. he should want to do this and be willing to pay for it because it's illegal. Like, And it should be expensive because the the controls that are in place are hard to get around. Yeah, that, that should be a part of this story, and it's not. It just seems like a matter of resources for Quark and ability. Yeah. Like, how does Quark's character recover from doing something like this to somebody? I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait for the button on the episode. The things I do for money. Well, we get back to Meridian, the disappearing, reappearing planet. And I think early in this relationship between Dax and Dural, she's a little bit more focused on the science and uh, he's a little bit more focused on that booty. (laughs) But she does kind of set the science aside eventually. She falls for a kind of bullshit game, which is like going for a walk or climbing a tree or like this idea that Doral is grieving for a wife that died, like in a story he's willing to tell right off the bat to make him seem to make himself seem sympathetic. Like this is happening so fast. It really is. It is foot on the gas. I mean, like he's like telling her about how he wants to build a house for two here in this in this foresty meadow like on a first date that is a fucking red flag yeah yeah especially because dax as a character having had these lifetimes of experience should be the most socially experienced person in any room capable yeah. of seeing through any bullshit that could ever be thrown her way and while i believe her feelings to be true and her intention sound like i don't feel like she's falling for any kind of trickery it feels cheap it feels it feels like she has to have done that for for this romance to work 
it's either that or she is actually just as just as drawn to him as he is to her and she is enjoying the advances that he's making because they reveal his interest in her lest you forget at the 20 minute mark who is directing this episode we get a (laughs) frakes shot here one of the great frakes is i think he jibs during this climbing of the tree scene both up and down that climb yeah in a really fun way and this is really difficult with all the branches and stuff making this this sequence work i think it was it was really well done in it and it gives a couple of compositions that you really don't see very often save for jonathan frakes directed episodes like yeah extreme uh, top down the extreme top down at the end of that tree climbing scene you think is going to be when they first kiss because he kind of helps her down and and has his arms around her and the little moment of awkwardness while they they you know brush themselves off and and walk out of frame is very sweet if if you can forgive like how hard the pedal is to the metal on this romance that little moment is very nice and then you know two seconds later they're like rolling around like in the grass and then the camera cuts to a train entering a tunnel Technically, I think the way this scene is shot is really important, too, because they go up two tree branches to do this, quote unquote, climb of the tree. (laughs) If you were to shoot this in profile, it would be laughable. Like they aren't very high off the ground. But because you're flying the camera vertically and shooting down, you're forcing a perspective that makes them look a lot higher than they are. And I think that that really sells the idea that that she's scared of heights and she doesn't want to be up there. Yeah. I mean, and it's fun. It's fun to see Dax do a make-out scene. Yeah. A handsome gentleman. Yeah. Are you protective of her? Like, as a viewer? Like, do you do you see this? Like, this is the point in the episode, I think, where you have to make that decision, right? Are you seeing right. this as a mistake or do you want her to be happy? I I think that... A lot of what has happened so far is gross and and <laughs> and cringy. Yeah. But I also feel like Jax is well established enough as like wizened and experienced that I do trust her to make these decisions and I don't feel like it's like I don't feel like she is falling for something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel like she's being tricked into this. You can fall for someone without falling for it. Yeah. As a concept. Yeah. Like she's looking forward to a few years in the future when their relationship is uh, a little bit more mature and she can go like, God, you were so so corny when you were trying to get my attention when we first met and, uh, and you know, bust his chops about it a little bit. That'd be fun. What are you doing? B story real briefly, Kira catches Quark trying to take a hollow picture of her. Back on the planet <laughs> They've gotten the sketch of a mission on the Defiant, which is they're gonna try to try to equalize the time between dimensional shifts on this planet. And there's some science that they can deploy in order to make this happen. They've gotten some scans of the sun and the sun has some 
gravimetric something something, and that seems to be influencing the way this phasing in and out of our universe is is taking place. And uh, they've even got a, a probe deep in the sun, and they, they think they can figure this out. They can actually like solve this problem for these folks. That probe shooting scene looks like uh, a brand new shot of that ship. Yeah, it's sort of head on in a fun way. And like, I feel like a much cooler looking probe than the than the Enterprise D ever ever shot out of itself. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not going to want to put a dead body in this probe casing. It's too nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to save that one for the only top of the line models. Yeah, and uh, and it's kind of amidst all this that Dax decides that she uh, she wants to get real serious with this dude. Yeah, they move right past like building a house among the lily pads and to the idea of maybe Doral going back to the Alpha Quadrant with Dax or maybe Dax sticking around uh, on Meridian. Like they're actually talking cohabitation at this point. Yeah, because the dimensional shift is five days away and while they have like a, a roadmap for fixing the decay in the in the rate of back and forth transformation it's going to take more than than those five days so the idea initially is that Durrell is coming with Jadzia but then it kind of flips around and uh, it turns out that he is not going to be able to do that there's a scene that's really crucial here that I think if they took it in a slightly different way I might ride for Durrell a little more than I do which is like Doral comes to the decision, right, that he's made a decision with Dax that is going to impact his life on Meridian. And so they walk up to Selton Rakal, and Rakal is, like, pumped that they're going to that they're gonna stay and that she's got this plan for him that has to do with another woman that he kind of wants to wiggle out of. If Doral's reason for wanting to be with Dax is about extricating himself from a, like, forced marriage situation or, like, a loveless relationship that he's looking down the barrel of i can understand that as being instructive of all his decisions yeah but instead it's just like i like someone who is not someone that selton recall likes for me yeah and like they ask him not to leave and he agrees to do that which is what motivates dax to want to stay with him instead yeah which is its own science problem that they have to solve but yeah, the motivations seem really weird. Back on Deep Space Nine, Tehran is pissed that Quark has not delivered on his fuck program yet. And the way Quark assuages his concerns is that he's got a, a new honey stick that gets him very high-level personnel information. That must be that level seven shit that Odo was talking about in the last episode. It must be, yeah. And uh, and, and he, he's, he's pretty sure that he's going to be able to make this happen. It costs me dearly. If it works... It's worth whatever price you paid for it. Turan is is leaving in a couple of days, so the the clock is ticking on this project. And, the, you know, there's a lot of money on the line for good old Quark the smut peddler. So he, like, sticks that thing in the computer, and we cut to Odo in his office with Major Kira going, like, hey, uh, somebody has been accessing your, your security file in a way that makes me think that uh, that thing we saw Quark doing with the camera earlier may, uh, may like, because Quark has tried like a couple of gambits. He tried the gambit of like luring Kira to the bar and uh, and saying she was his millionth customer and that she gets free hollow sweet hangs, which she yeah. did not want. Like he made the mistake of going too big too early. Right. 
You know, millionth you customer said, plan is way too big. And too obviously about her. Yeah. Where like if if all he needs to do is have her be inside a hollow suite, like maybe like uh you know, throw a cocktail function for the senior staff in a hollow suite or or you know, and she's just one of many people that show up or whatever. It seems but, uh, like a, a production choice wagging the story choice dog, you know? Yeah. Like, like they don't have the resources or the time to do another setup or to yeah. work with that number of cast. Right, because the Meridian playset is like, it's very Star Trekky, but it's actually pretty big. I yeah. thought it might be, a, the indoor part might be a redress of the uh, Klingon hall. Oh, that's interesting. I'm not positive, but uh, it kind of has the same like... The same shape on the inside of it. And then uh, there's like an exterior set. There's, there's, these things are expensive. The conclusion to Odo's declaration of Kira's personnel file being hacked is that Kira wants revenge. Like, Odo's like, you want me to go arrest him? I can arrest him right now. I'd love to do that. Kira's like, no. Revenge will be better. And that comment hangs as we pivot back to the gauzy lensed love story between Doral and Dax. This sort of like introduces the idea that their infatuation uh, is incredibly shallow because obviously they have nothing in common. Like Dax is talking about how great Tongo is as a game and Doral is like <laughs> staring off into the middle distance. I like, know. Couldn't be less interested in Dax's gambling. Like it's it's kind of pivoting into a fish out of water story that no one is comfortable with. I mean, like that is a real thing. Like this doesn't happen that often, but if I play a video game and it, it's I find it to be remarkable in some way or really interesting. Like my wife is not a person that is available to have a conversation about that with me. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, like I definitely learned that the hard way by saying like I'm playing a really like interesting Batman game right now. <laughs> you know. And her eyes just glaze over immediately. Like, Dex, read the room. He doesn't care about Tongo. Yeah. Again, like, lifetimes of experience and romances. I would have thought she could have read that, read that room a little better. We have a pretty intense goodbye scene between her and Cisco because uh, he loves her. He's She's one of his dearest friends, and he's going to miss her. And, uh, you know, he's happy for her, but also sad to see her go. I think if you're Cisco and you're Bashir and you're the people who love Dax, like, you know the science is there to make this happen. Because, like, the idea is they're going to use the transport buffer to match her quantum matrix with <laughs> with his so that, like, she can ride out the planet's trip to the other dimension. Like, And so they do that. But I think up until that moment, everyone's got to be looking at each other like, She's not really going to go through with this, right? But eventually in the episode, you get to that point. Like, you get to zero hour where she's about to hop on the transporter pad and go. And you're right. It's it's interesting how emotional the scene is between Cisco and Dax. It's strange how detached Bashir is feeling in that moment and how even yeah. more detached O'Brien is as sort of the fourth wheel in that scene. Yeah. It's pretty wild. I mean... Is this moment earned, though, on episode eight of season three of this series? Because there are real tears happening here between yeah. them. I think it was the second skin 
episode a while ago where everybody had to contemplate the idea that maybe Kira is dead and gone. Mm-hmm. You know, when they find the thing that might be a transporter signature or might be a phaser set to vape. And I was really impressed with how they got to like a real, like a very naturalistic emotional reaction to that information. Like those characters are actually believing that she might be dead in that scene. And I feel like the same thing happens here where I don't quite know how you get to this moment. Because this, mo- like just the scene in the in the bunk between... Cisco and Dax is like incredibly raw emotionally. Avery Brooks is fucking incredible in this scene. Yeah. He is like They both are. Like they both get at some really deep feelings in these in these uh, little interactions. I don't deny that they are both great in this scene and I am not trying to grade them against each other. There is something almost scary about what Avery Brooks is doing here, like how close to the surface what he's obviously trying to tamp down has become. And he does something in his take that is so interesting is that one way that you direct professional and non-professional actors is to like go all the way through cut with what you're doing, right? With, With either your dialogue or your action, like don't stop acting, basically is the message. And what Avery Brooks does, he wheels around and leaves her quarters. He does something, he balls up his fists once he walks away and rounds the corner. And it's such a finish to that scene that like, when people leave a scene in Star Trek, I don't feel like they really finish it the way that Avery Brooks does here. And that really stood out to me as, as a choice that I thought was good. Like, it's so short, you barely see it. But I think it's it's just another it's another way you feel how he's feeling. Well, there's only one way you can react to a scene like that. One kind of scene that you can have to uh, to come down off an emotional peak like that, and it's a uh, a real crazy slide whistle scene because <laughs> Quark has finished his program and he gives it to Tehran, and Tehran uh, goes up into the hollow suite and. Uh, he says that he will settle up with Quark upon inspecting the merchandise. And we cut to the shimmering pink curtains of every mid-90s lovemaking scene. And Tehran is kind of moving through them uh, and turns pushing them aside. And, uh, and we cut around and there's the lingerie-wearing feminine figure lying on a bed. And... Uh, like the, the legs cross seductively, the camera luridly pans up, and then Quark's head pops up. I've been waiting for you. It was Quark. They put Quark's head on Kira's body. That's the revenge? That is some pretty cute revenge, Kira. And it's also not on Quark. You right? Know? And also, the way Tehran reacts to this it's fucking insane. Like, he, he comes out of there and goes, it, it's not like, ha-ha, very funny, where's the actual program? It's, I will ruin you for this. You are dead. As if that had been done in public in in a way that would make him ashamed. Like, right. his reaction is totally uncoupled from what we've seen. You're right. 
It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Tehran has his own hollow suite anyway. Like so much of his story up until now doesn't hang together. Yeah, just have uh, have Quark email you the file and do it in the privacy of your own home. Gotta tell you though, that a uh, Quark head on a Kiribati still pretty nice. Yeah, I mean, I think they're both very sexually attractive. I'd just say combined together a little weird. I mean, if I'm gonna have a loaf dream, I'm I'm definitely gonna <laughs> prefer just the Kira version, like yeah. Kira in totality. Right. But uh, I don't know the dr- the dream state does weird things. Sure. Makes strange combinations. Yeah. I had a dream the other night that I was in a garden and every plant reacted differently when I touched it. What did you touch it with? Like my fingers. <laughs> so it wasn't a sexy dream. I wasn't fucking the plants, Adam. <laughs> This wasn't that scene in in Forty Year Old Virgin. <laughs> Seth Rogen says you plant the seed, you grow the plant, and then you fuck the plant. <laughs> Which is like one of the greatest. Oh, that's so funny to me. You really want to do this here now? Okay, okay, let's do it. Do it. So back on the Defiant, Dax has gone through the transporter scrambulation. Bashir is sad. O'Brien's neutral. Dax. Weird that uh, she just got her quantum matrix rewritten, huh? Yeah, and uh, appears to have... Like, how do they know that's going to work? She's not feeling any effects. What gives them any confidence that that's a good idea? It's weird. They beam her down to the planet, and right at the moment where this planet begins its shift, there are some bangers dropped. And this is a fairly thankless moment for any actor, which involves uh, banging around alone in front of a green screen, <laughs> uh, looking like you're in pain. And it's, right. it's, pretty, it's pretty rough trade here. What we're looking for is confusion and disorientation and maybe a little bit of pain. Okay, well, I mean, I'm confused and disoriented by this acting job you are giving me, so I guess I can draw on that in my performance. They don't move the camera enough for this to give her a chance. I think that I think that really helps when when bangers are getting dropped on the entrepreneur, like they bang the camera around a lot and that solves a lot of those problems. Yeah. But uh these camera shakes are not big enough. They should be bangers commensurate with the planetary bangers. But uh, everybody but Dax starts to fade out. And uh, up on the Defiant, they're, they're detecting that something is amiss with this. And, uh, and, they, and they realize that it has to do with Dax being there. She's kind of, she's kind of holding everybody back. And uh, that doesn't, she's not holding them back enough for them not to disappear and then the planet to start to disappear. Mm-hmm. She's like, standing on this planet while it starts to shimmer out of existence and uh the doctor for some reason has to be the one to order the chief to beam her up get her out of that chief where were you on that cisco yeah where were you on that chief read the fucking tea leaves you know (laughs) yeah yeah like you're looking at the same sensor readings as everybody else the button on the episode is sad dax being sad in her quarters having been told that Meridian shifted normally uh, once she was pulled off the planet. It's an episode where two terribly problematic romances didn't work out that well. Are we supposed to be relieved by this? I mean, she's... She came very close to not being on the show anymore in the 
you know, if we are to believe this episode. Quark should be in Barkley prison. Tehran should be getting an ass kicking. They should just throw Quark out the airlock for this. It's such a violation. Dax needs 60 years to grieve her lost love. Cisco, Cisco went through the stages of grief for losing a friend, and now I guess he's got, he's got to go through his own thing, but we, ne- we never see any of that at the right. end. It's just ISO on Dax. Very weird end to a very weird episode. Did you like it, though? I, I, you know, the last episode we reviewed was really, like, peppy and fun and then kind of fell apart at the end. Mm-hmm. And this one was, like, creepy as fuck in both the A and B storyline and weird, but somehow, like, held my attention Mm. like more like I, I i think it might just be that it was so much more visually interesting than your average deep space nine episode right i did not feel myself struggling to pay attention which like at the 40 minute mark in in the previous episode i was like ugh, i don't even care the, so this one like w- wins a little bit on the measurement of like did i watch it with interest but like stepping back and looking at like the messages and like what the characters do to each other and like the motivations behind some of this stuff is like, ugh, I hate this episode. I hate it. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. Strong I think it might be ben. the worst episode of season three so far. Are there are there other ones that are less good than this? I think there's I think this might be the worst. Hard to beat. Yeah. No, easy, easily the worst mm. that we've watched in season three. I'm just looking back. Nice to see Dax get some stuff to do. It's made more unfortunate that it is a Dax episode, right? Yeah. Like, because she gets so few episodes of her own. Did you like this episode? I think there's a big difference between episodes that I think are bad and episodes that I think are so close to being good that they're bad <laughs> and this is the second one i think i don't think this episode is far off from being a good episode but it sucks because like how could you improve the skeeviness of both storylines that's pretty difficult but yeah. the thing I, that i would focus on more than anything is like with just a few tweaks like we understand characters motivations a little better shouldn't we know if dax is looking for love by now like i've never really gotten that vibe from her that she was like seeking this right if Doral was less slimy in his affection for her if it felt like more natural would that be good maybe what we don't know anything about the meridians like at all like how does this society work do they do anything besides eat fruit (laughs) are they just like tripping on lsd all the time every time they go to the other dimension like we know nothing about this race and, and that, I feel like, should be a major point of infatuation. Like, there should be attraction from Dax to Doral yeah. as an alien. Like, right. from a scientific perspective, she should right, be attracted she's an to adventurer. him. But, yeah, there's none of that at all. Like, so it feels too much to accept a magic planet and a love story and this tragedy at the end all at the same time. Like, in the end, it's just too many boxes unchecked in terms of like supporting character motivations or or making interesting stories or or conflicts. Yeah. 
but yeah, that's where I'm at. I, I won't go as far as to say that I, that I capital H hate it, but <laughs> it was like tantalizing how incurious the episode was about a number of things in it. You know what I'm curious about, Adam, is whether or not we have any Priority One messages. Do you want to go check those with me? Let's check them out. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, we have a couple of Priority One messages here. The first is of a promotional nature. Whoa. And uh, here it goes. Some might think belonging only to the greatest gen Facebook is fine. But what our theory presupposes is maybe you should join some subgroups? Wandering Anybody Canyon? Try Date Shimoda for support, advice, and maybe more in the modern world of dating. Celebrate infinite possibilities in infinite combinations with the Pride of DeSoto, a safe space for LGBTQ+, and allied FODs. And visit the Replomat of the USS Hood, <laughs> a.k.a. the greatest exocook. A great place to share recipes and gawk at food porn. Wow. That's great. Food subs. I love that. You know where this started, Ben? It started with Jim Shimoda is what it did. Yeah. Jim Shimoda showed the world that there could be all different kinds of groups of uh, Greatest Gen viewers. And uh, I really like this. So, so if you want to check out any of those three, find them on Facebook at bit.ly slash FODsubs. That's F-O-D-S-U-B-S. Tell them DeSoto sent you. That is pretty great, Ben. You might say it's the greatest. Ben, our second priority one message is of a personal nature. It is from Brian in Seattle, and it is for Jean, Felicia, Francesca, Justin, and Jesse, whose voice reminds me of Ben's. <laughs> hey, that sounds nice. Message goes like this. This is for Ben and Adam. Been binging your show and haven't finished Next Gen yet, so I'm firing this torpedo blind, not knowing where <laughs> it'll hit in DS9, but I can't wait to hear how you deal with the slog that is the early episodes, especially Move Along Home. And in parentheses, <laughs> which honestly, I hope you vetoed for your sanity. <laughs> oh man, Brian is gonna is gonna be very disappointed when he learns about what happened to vetoes. P.S. They basically turned into move along home. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, I, I don't know if Brian's gonna be happy about this circumstance. <laughs> he ends his P1. P.S. Kevin should schism the Dominion. Whoa. I have often wondered about the mistake of making Kevin Uxbridge a bottle episode character. Like, he is the most powerful entity in the universe. Yeah. They bring Q back all the time. Why not Uxbridge? Why is there no Q meets Uxbridge episode? <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. It's too bad. Missed opportunity. Missed up. Well, we would encourage anyone out there not to miss the opportunity to send in a Priority One message. You can do so by going to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron, where personal messages are $100 and commercial messages are $200. And they are a great, 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 great way to support the ongoing production of The Greatest Generation.
Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings they send in uh, crochet work it's so cool and uh i want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters i want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves and you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use squarespace it'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! Time Shimoda, Ben. If you wheel your cursor to about the 10 minute and 20 second mark 
of the ep. This is the first meal scene. O'Brien crushes this scene. O'Brien's my Shimoda. But specifically the line read of long time between meals <laughs> is so beautiful. And the way that they frame him, like he's not looking into camera, but he's looking next to the camera, yeah. but close enough that it feels like he's looking at you in a way that they don't do in Star Trek. But it feels like a turn to camera punchline. And right. I fucking love it. It's so great. Because yeah. he's just watched this guy like feed fruit text. <laughs> it feels confidential. Like he's telling you his, right. his funny joke. I he's love telling, it. It's like Malcolm in the middle in that scene. Yeah. Kalamini's read on it. Like I feel like you could you could do this 10 times and not get to where he got with this line. It's, <laughs> it's spectacular. I love it. What uh, about you? That's a rock solid Shimoda there, buddy. I think I could probably come up with the time on my Shimoda, too. Yeah. We go to about 19 minutes into the episode. Okay. Uh, you you see Dax and, and Dural kind of shift from science mode to making hookup plans mode. And they're framed in such a way that Cisco on the bridge is... Oh, like ar- arms crossed, just like watching this go down. I didn't notice this the first time. <laughs> and, That's some uh, good blocking. It's it's very funny blocking, and like Cisco is unreadable. Like partly it's that he's in soft focus, but partly I think it's just that like he's uh, in command of a ship right now and can't be like <laughs> can't be like reacting too big to the fact that they just made a plan to beam down to the planet and fuck in the grass. You know, in composition, you're establishing that Cisco comes between them. Mm-hmm. And this is another great Jonathan Frakes technique of like a slowly rotating camera sequence that finishes with a visual message here. But I mean, this is a conflict that might have been fun to experience throughout the episode that we really never get. We only get his grief at the end. We don't get mm-hmm. his problems with it throughout. Yeah. And uh, I think that you could have done a lot to make this relationship seem less weird and rushed if Cisco's advice as a friend on it had had like played a role ever yeah yeah hard agree that's a good Shimoda it's a it's a soft focus Shimoda Ben yeah Cisco is my soft focus Shimoda that's another band name you want to see soft focus Shimoda after uh (laughs) non-sexual Francis Buxton I hear they can wail (laughs) Ben, what do we have coming up on the very next episode? The next episode is season three, episode nine, Defiant, when Commander William Riker from the (laughs) Enterprise visits the station. An intrigued Kira takes him on a tour, particularly of the Defiant. (laughs) Is the Defiant what Kira calls that booty? (laughs) Because I think that's the only Defiant Riker wants a tour of. Adam, you want to hear the other description of this episode? Yes, please. Will Riker's renegade duplicate steals the Defiant and attacks Cardassian territory, forcing Sisko to assist Gul Dukat in stopping him. What the fuck? <laughs> Why did it give away everything like that? That's terrible. Yeah, that's a bit of a spoiler alert. <laughs> wow. I mean, maybe that's like in the first five minutes, though, right? Like, it's yeah. just not—it's just not the only thing that happens in the moments before the uh, the credits roll. Yeah, I mean, I'm well into the part of DS9 where I haven't seen any of these episodes, so I would have preferred to not have known that. 
That's yeah. a that's kind of a bummer for me personally. Wow. Well, I'm I'm sorry to have bummed you. What isn't a bummer at all is Game of Buttholes, The Will of the Prophets. And uh and it's looking spiffy on the website here, Ben. It's it's gotten a yeah. little bit of a reskin from our friends uh Philippe Sobriero. And Craig Anderson. And yeah. uh it's uh really excited about this. Uh Craig actually put the source code up on GitHub. So I don't I don't really know much about programming, but I think that means that you could like download this and mess around with it yourself. And uh you can follow along at uh, G-A-G-H dot biz slash game. That's gach dot biz slash game. Yeah, pretty awesome stuff. So, well, uh, shall I roll? You're required to learn as you play. Roll. Yeah, why don't you? We are on, uh, we're currently on square 11. Uh, just ahead is a fuck it, we'll do it live. And then uh, out in the distance is a Quark's Bar episode, which I don't know is in range. All right, Adam, and I have rolled a four. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. So we're on square 15 for the next episode, a plain old episode. Hey, that sounds great. Yeah. I want to go into this Riker episode clear-eyed. <laughs> clear-eyed and confident, just like yeah. Riker. Yeah. I'm think, so psyched uh, for this. I mean, I love DS9, but I miss Will Riker, I'll tell you that much. I miss Will Riker, and I wish that they had spent more time making episodes with characters from, like, even characters from TNG that aren't in the main cast showing up from time to time. Yeah. Always delights me, but they don't do it very often. I know. They're going their own way. All right, Adam. That is our program, and there's a lot of ways people can have fun with Greatest Gen Hangs outside of this program. Of course, you can go to bit.ly slash FOD subs to find all those uh, Facebook subs that got mentioned in the Priority One messages. There's also just a regular ass Facebook group that's a great, great hang, very well moderated. Whether you're an FOD sub or an FOD dom, <laughs> you can find a buddy on any, any number of greatest gen branded social media pages. Yeah, and uh, you can also rest assured that Adam and I will not be monitoring those. So. Yeah. You know, every, everything you guys do in there is up to you. Uh, we also have a great Reddit sub. There's a uh, Wikia where um, a bunch of friends of DeSoto have lovingly uh, tracked and cataloged every instance of every inside joke and explained it in detail. Uh, one of the coolest things that people have made surrounding this program. Uh, if you go on Twitter and search the hashtag GreatestGen, you can find some of the trading cards that our card daddy Bill Tilly made for uh, the show. Best makes, in the uh, biz. A bunch of new cards every week. Gotta thank Adam Ragusia for chopping and screwing the great music of Dark Materia for our theme song and creating brand new music for all of our interstitial moments. Yeah, seriously. Couldn't, couldn't have done this without them. And uh, we always got to thank the folks at MaximumFun.org. So many great podcasts on MaximumFun.org. If you uh, if you like the vibe of our show, I'm sure you'll find ten other shows you really like over there. And uh, while you're there, if you uh, if you would like this kind of program to continue being free and funny and fun, go ahead and uh, click on MaximumFun.org/slash/donate. Throw us a couple of bucks a month, and uh, I think at five bucks a month, you start getting access to all the bonus content 
And uh, I, I looked at MaximumFun.org slash donate recently, and even though it's not the pledge drive right now, there are there are gifts available at all the different pledge levels. So well, that's great. You know, they're not they're not quite as uh, as many things uh, as during the drive, but uh, there's no there's no shame in in becoming a member now. No shame in that game at all, Ben. In fact, we highly encourage it. And with that. We will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and an episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine where Ben and I show each other our defiance. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.